Hi there, I'm Alan Mann, and this is Stories in Stride, brought to you by American Region Animal Health, the makers of Adequan IM. In this series, we take a glimpse into the remarkable true events of those who have left their mark on our equestrian community. We hear the heartbreaks and triumphs and the untold stories of our equestrian heroes and their amazing animals. The journey starts now. So today our special guest is Boyd Martin, an elite equestrian athlete in the discipline of eventing. Boyd has had an amazing career. He has competed in two Olympic Games, two World Equestrian Games, two Pan Am Games, has been a member of five U.S. Nation Cup teams. He has competed in 40 four- and five-star events, the most challenging level in the sport of eventing. In fact, he is the only rider to have competed in every four-star in the world. 2017, he had more than 175 starts and became the U.S. Eventing Association Rider of the Year. 2019, he repeated that feat in addition to being the chronicle of the horse eventing horseman of the year. A warm welcome for Boyd Martin. Thank you very much, Alan. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's quite a that's quite a feat. Uh, the thing that really surprised me was uh, you're the only rider to have competed at every four star in the world. Well, I think that's a little bit of a cheat because there's one of the four stars. Well, they call them five, five stars now. One of them's actually in uh, Australia. So there's all the European riders have done, uh, you know, all the events, uh, the five stars in, in America and Europe, and not many of them could do the one in Australia just because it's, it's a long, long, long way away. So I, that's where I got started, the Adelaide five star, and uh, then I came to uh, the other side of the globe and, and uh, did all the, all the big ones over here. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's an accomplishment, but it's, it's actually an accomplishment just because of where I started from to be honest. Well, you know, but uh, you didn't have any say in the matter. You were just born there, right? Yeah, yeah, just uh, just landed in Sydney, Australia, pal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why, do, why don't you take me back to where your horse journey originally started? Oh, well, let's see. It's a, it's a long time ago. Uh, you know, I, was, I, I grew up in a very sporting household, Alan. Uh, my mum's my actually American. She was, uh, she's from Springfield, Illinois. And uh, she grew up, uh, yeah, there in the Midwest and, and was a speed skater. And, uh, well, she had got a good story, actually. She told me once she went, she went to the University of Minnesota and she, uh, she got denied entry into the sorority house. And she said it was the most horrible, horrible moment of her life. She thought her life was over because she wasn't welcomed into this social club. And then she started skating and skating and skating and skating the, the uh, Minnesota lakes and ended up going to the Grenoble Olympics for speed skating. And she met my dad there uh, and he was from Australia and he was a cross-country skier and uh, they must have hit it off at the Olympic Games and uh, she ended up coming back to Australia and bred me. Sport's huge in Australia. Sport's more important than education from where I'm from. And, uh, you know, everything uh, where I grew up was just is all about sport. It was cricket, surf lifesaving, rugby and pony club. Um, and uh, pony club was, you know, every Sunday and I grew up on about two and a half acres and uh, you'd have to ride for about 
an hour and a half to get the pony club and then all day at pony club you're sporting and barrel racing and jumping and cross country and then you'd have to ride the horse home for about an hour and a half and you get home just at dark and uh, I loved it. Um, just sort of went through school, not not probably the sharpest cookie. No one was copying my homework, Alan. And, uh, yeah, finished high school. And the day after I finished high school, um, I became a working pupil for, uh, for a, and a famous Australian three-day event rider called Heath Ryan. And that's sort of where I got, got sort of my career sort of went from there. So I, I had the opportunity to meet one of your mates over here, uh, Heath Ryan. You know, I think when we all look at our lives, there's a, a couple people that touch us, you know, often our parents, sometimes the good Lord, and then sometimes just these chance people that, that uh, come into your life. And he was just the, the absolute perfect mentor for a, for a wild, energetic enthusiastic 17-year-old kid and uh, he really definitely um, changed my life and uh, taught me the art of training horses and uh, I mean he was he was mad he was just uh, he, I was drawn to him he yelling and screaming he worked like a, a maniac and uh, uh, was very gentle on the horses he was a very good person to learn how to train horses even though he was a uh, you know, an over-the-top character. He was very, very soft and sympathetic to the horses and uh, and uh, everything he said and chanted, uh, just I was drawn to, you know. He was uh, all about Olympic glory and uh, a passionate guy and uh, I was so lucky to meet him. So that that's uh, quite an influence on life at that stage. Pretty amazing. So let's... Uh go back to 2006 and your first time coming to the States to compete in your very first uh, Rolex four-star. Tell us a little bit about that experience. I'll never forget it, Alan. I, uh, I flew with the horse on a cargo plane. So I was on a big Lufthansa airplane and landed in, uh, where were we? Landed in uh, New York. It was January, I think, or February. And I'll never forget this horse. His name was Yin Yang Yo. They opened the side of the plane up and it was just a blizzard gusted, you know, inside the plane. And I'll never forget this poor horse. Like he looked out the window, he'd never seen snow. He, he was shaking and, oh, and then we got him, put him on a horse transport truck and I rode in the truck with this loud, loud mouth New Yorker, you know, and, and he just... He did, I just never forget driving New York Airport all the way down to Philip Dutton's farm here in Pennsylvania. Had you met Philip before? When I arrived in uh, Pennsylvania, Philip was down in um, in Florida competing, you know, the winter um, circuit. So I didn't actually meet him for a couple of weeks. I, I shipped my horse down to North Carolina to Southern Pines Horse Trials. And that was the first time I met Philip and I took my horse down there. And I remember going to that show and walking around just starstruck and didn't know one person there. It was the first time I ever drank a cup of coffee because um, I went to the trade stand and uh, this guy, uh, I said, oh, I'll have a cup of tea. And uh, he said, tea? We got coffee. And he gave me this big cup of coffee and I drank it, black coffee. And I was... 
I'd never, I was shaking, I was, I, and I'd, ever since that day, I've never not drunk a cup of coffee. So, <laughs> anyway, I met, met Philip there, and uh, it was weird, actually. Like, I slept, I brought just a sleeping bag and swag and slept, you know, just out the front of the stable like we would in Australia, and people were looking at me all weird. It was, uh, I'd never do that now, but in Australia, you just camped out with the, you know, next to your trailer or next to your horse. and. Uh, but he's a good guy, Philip. He, uh, I mean, to connect with Philip and, again, a, a, another key person um, that would forever change my career. And I said, oh, Philip, I love it here. And he said, well, why don't you go home and come back and work for me? So uh, went back to Australia and and uh, it was hard, actually. Like, a, we had a good business there and it was a bit heartbreaking, I think. So basically... In Australia, I was well known, and I had a business and owners and horses, and uh, had won quite a lot. And then, you know, then you have to walk away completely, and then completely start again. You're back working pupil type role. No one knows you. No horses to compete. You know, and you're sort of I was a 29 or 30 years old, and you've got to start from scratch again and see what horses you can get hold of and teach you know, teach anyone that wants a lesson and, you know, really have to hustle for the first couple of years just to get cracking along again. Well, you know, that's uh, quite a transition, but it sounds like based on the journey you've been on that uh, you were up for the challenge. So just switching gears now, Boyd, you know, I was uh, reading a little bit about the fire and the thing that really took me by surprise was when you made that, you didn't even think about it. You just decided to run into that barn, not knowing what to expect. Can you tell me a little bit about what was going on in that barn? It's just the worst bit of luck you've ever heard of. It was a, a faulty electrical machine that malfunctioned at you know midnight um, and uh, caught this barn, you know, caught this uh, big barn on fire and by the time I got there the place the, you know the whole barn was was a raging raging fire and uh, you know it was just uh, to be honest I didn't even really um, have to I, I was on an autopilot a little bit if you know what I mean Alan like it wasn't yeah. like I had to fire myself up and say come on Boydie let's do this <laughs> you know <laughs> I uh, just went on natural instinct mate and um, Every time I hear a siren now or smell smoke, it it, uh, it reminds me of it. And, uh, um, you know, I remember going in there and, I mean, I was half lost in there and it was it was pretty bad. Like the, the straw and the hay and all that must be, a, uh, when they burn it, it's really, really black, thick smoke. And um, I couldn't see anything and, and I was stuck in one stable with one horse. And then, yeah, before you know it, I turn around, it was bloody Philip. Because <laughs> I was trying to drag a horse out, and I'm like, and I'm like "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> and, uh, he's a good guy. I like, grabbed hold of a couple of horses, and then he was like a you know a frontline football player, and because the horses they don't want to get out of their stables when they're scared, you know. Right. And I'm sort of trying to drag the head, and Phillips like a football player behind them, and yeah, pulling them out of the barn a bit, and. Uh, it goes to show, though, like there was, I think we got one or two horses out, which took, it must have taken a minute or two minutes. 
And then by the time we went in the third time, like the roof was falling, like the like it was probably the closest I've ever been to dying. I think because I just remember I couldn't breathe, and then I fell to the ground. And then I, I honestly thought, I thought if I stay in here for thirty more seconds, that's the end. And it was hard because it was just when we were starting our own business, and we just got horses for training and owners, and just started like feeling like we were getting to getting it going, and uh, then it all come come. Mm. Um, up, so. Well, thank God that you survived and you were able to get some of those sources out. I mean, it was a story that the entire equestrian community was just in uh, shambles, really, to mm. have to see what you were going through. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how the community uh, just really helped you get through it? Yeah, I mean, I think the... The interesting thing for me was, uh, like, say it was my house that burnt down. I don't think, I mean, I think people would, you know, pat you on the back and send you an email or something. But just due to the fact that there were horses involved and how much uh, people obviously love horses and um, and understood the, the pain and agony of actually losing a horse's life, it really uh, was breathtaking, you know, of the, the amount of support. Like Silver and I had, we had next to no insurance. Like because we were new to the country, we only had $10,000 worth of insurance and, like, we lost everything, all of our equipment and horses. But going back to your point, like, it was pretty awesome. Like they, within, um, you know, a couple of days, people have given us spare water buckets and, couple other people give us a few horse blankets and then even great legends like Katie Prudent sent me a horse for training. She said, look, I'm sending you a horse for training. I want you to teach this jumping horse some flat work. And uh, even uh, uh, Miss Mars, who I'd never really talked to before, she put on a fundraiser for us and, uh, you know, generated a lot of, ink, you know, some funds to get us back on our feet, mate. And, uh, it really, really spurred us on. And to start with, you feel pretty lonely and on your own when you're here by yourself and new to a country and then all of a sudden you just felt like there was an army behind us. And, um, you know, and it really spurred us on. America is by far a wonderful nation when it comes to helping out other people. And, um, and uh, you know, to this day I'll, I'll never forget legends of the sport calling me up and uh, just it was uh just be endless the stories of um help that we got um to get us back going again well that yeah and and how wonderful to um to be you know through all that darkness and now you got so you have these two little boys and uh, what are they doing how are they impacting uh, your life as parents and as equestrians I thought training a horse was tough, Alan, but uh, trying to do a good job raising children's uh, it's a it's a real you you got to put time and energy into it, and uh, it's changed us a bit, you know, because you know to start with when you're doing this sport, yeah, there's got to be a bit of a selfish component about you where to become very very good, you you end up becoming a bit self-centered, you know, where it's uh, you're just training so hard and you're working and you're just trying to do everything you can to become absolutely awesome and then all of a sudden um, there's something actually a little bit more important uh, in your life which is obviously family and 
um, you know, we're lucky. We're very, very lucky to have a couple of kids. Like our second one was premature by a couple of months and that was a bit rocky in uh, 2014. But the, the good man upstairs helped us out and Leo's uh, fighting fit now. And uh, no, it's good. It's, uh, it's a, I feel sorry for my parents now. I'm, I'm looking back and all the <laughs> horrible things I did to my parents and tortured them. But we'll, we'll see how it all ends up. Awesome. I'd like to end with um, getting this insight from you. So what is the best piece of advice you've ever received in the horse world? It's stuff that hasn't been said. If you're fortunate to be around people that have that champion mentality, is the, the, the advice you receive on them is not, not really spoken. It's... Um, it's more just learnt behaviour from, from, from watching and seeing and of, of how really top, top, top people handle themselves and how they apply themselves to their sport and then, more importantly, how do they handle themselves um, once the competition's over and, and the mentality and their work ethic and their spirit and their kindness and their, you know, um, I think that would be the biggest piece of advice I'd get from anyone because um it's a long it's a long road it's a long journey mate as you've said to me before you have been a blessing to so many and i can tell you that uh, if actions are an indication of success then you do have a lot more coming your way and 20 years left um competing and uh i'm loving every moment of it and uh, it's a it's still a novelty being here in America. It still feels new and special and, and uh, I love the, the country, the people. And horses just take you um, to places that you'd, you'd never dream of. And uh, I've been very, very lucky that horses have taken me to all corners of the world and I've experienced uh, some just unbelievable moments just thanks to uh, my love with uh, horses. I just really want to thank you for sharing this part of your journey with us and continued success. You're a legend, Alan. It's, uh, I'm blessed to be around great people like you, mate. I've, uh, I've enjoyed our friendship over the years and, uh, and uh, yeah, really, really appreciate being on your, on your show today. And, and thank you for all the support and your, your product, uh, your, your Adequan, really, really awesome that you back the sport so much here in America. You definitely give back, and uh, Adequan's a huge part of eventing, dressage, and show jumping. So we're we're lucky you're in. You, you you give back as well, mate. So we, we we thank you for that. All right. Well, listen. Best to the family, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you out there doing it fairly soon. And keep on keeping on, my brother. All right, mate. Thank you. As always, thanks for listening. Before you go please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast. We want you to be the first to know the incredible stories we have lined up in the coming episodes. Till then, happy riding.